Good morning, North America. Welcome to Church Talk TV, lively talk about life, church, and church life. I'm your co-host, Dr. Bill Tenney Britton, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host, Dr. Chris Tenney Britton, and we're broadcasting from our studio in Columbia, Missouri, the heartland of America. Say good morning, Chris. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Church Talk Live. Hi, husbands. Hey, uh, good to see everybody. Glad you're here. We're Chris talking Britton, today. Bill Tenney Britton, we should tell them who we are. Oh, okay, yeah, because Bill the, the name's down below, but yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> oh, it does, okay. But yeah, anyway, hey, we're glad you're, glad you're here. Today we're talking about failure because... Our, our guest was not able to make it into the studio, and so we thought, hey, this is a great time to talk about failure, and um, it's also something I've been talking about on my uh, Facebook profile, in my reels, and on um, in my group, and so thought it was, hey, let's just kind of tie it all together, because failure is a part of life. Well, yeah, and I just read this last week, and I wish I could remember who who made this quote or where I got it, but it said failure is the most common, um, what's the word I'm looking for, experience in, in the world, right? Every, all around the world. And I can um, tell you, Good Morning America, I think, and it was an interview and it was a woman. And that's as far as I know, but it might've been on Sunday that you had that, in which case it would have been Face the Nation or one of no, those. No, Whatever yeah, it was. anyways, it's the most common experience around the world. But I do want to share this story as we're, we're getting started. Um, uh, my Bill here and I were interviewed to be part of a church plant with Bill Easem. That's when we, we met and really got to know Bill Easem. Um, anyways, we were part of a, a group, a cohort, you might call it, to start a new church, start new churches. And as part of that final interview process, the question was asked, the, the consultant he brought in asked the question, when have you failed? Talk about a time that you have failed. And, um, and, and my bill was able to, you know, come up with something and talk about that. And I'm sitting there thinking, thinking, thinking. And there are a lot of times I've screwed up or thought I'd failed or felt like a failure. But I realized that in the end, I really hadn't failed. And goodness knows I wasn't a failure today. I know I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and, uh, and somewhat out on edges uh, at times. But it, it is really how we bounce back. You know, I get back up, but I get not, uh, what is it? I'm knocked down again and nothing going to keep me down. And that's really the song of overcoming failure, not being a failure, right? Would you agree with that? Knock down, hit the ground, and get back up again. Nothing's going to keep me down. I, I, we, used to sing that, we used to sing that at uh, one of our songs that we sang as one of our hymns at the Rock. Well, at that church plant. At that church we planted. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you want to pick up with that? Well, I mean, one of the things is, is that it's probably the pivotal book in my life in terms of failure was John Maxwell's Failing Forward. Um, I mean, I, I learned some new things. I got some great stories from there, great accounts and whatnot. But the, the reality is, is it wasn't completely new information, but it was really nicely put down there to say, yeah, folks, People fail. Everyone fails. As the, as the interviewer, who I wish we could cite her and say this is really a great thing, but the most common human experience well, that we see all fail. But the but the reality is is that when we 
fail, what we do when we've hit the ground really determines our future. Because when we, when we fail, um, and Tennessee Ernie Ford, some of you are old enough to remember who he is. He's an Americana folk singer. And in one of his interviews, he uh, shares an account of uh, someone he knew. Because Tennessee Ernie Ford had his ups and downs. I mean, as everyone does. And, you know, he, he kept getting back up, kept getting up. He says he had a friend who, you know, as a young adult had failed. And he says, and he just kind of seemed to lack it down there. And so he stayed down in, you know, and, and just like wallowed in it. And that is, that's when you've gone from you've had a failure to you are a failure. Um, and that, that has become, it marks who you are. Chris, we can find that. that some, some Can't find it right now. Any, anyway, that, you know, we, we, we um, that failure is a part of success. In fact, failure is the key to success. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's just a reality is that every, every um, entrepreneurial millionaire that, is, you know, has accounts, whatever, talks about the ways they failed. And I think that I saw a stat that said between the, the average millionaire has completely failed seven to 14 times yeah. before they had that that they had their um, their success and that uh, I've heard over and over, you know, we would never stop if we knew how close we were to succeeding. And oh. I mean, that's a, a reality in in the world is that when we fail, it's about learning. It's about figuring out what's going on and et cetera. Well, that's a key part, right, is figuring out what did I do? It's um uh, it's like a postmortem in a way. If something you is, has failed, it's to go back and to, to look at that and say, what worked? What didn't work? What would I do again? What do I need to shift rather than totally abandoning, abandoning it yet? And, and the, but the other part is with that kind of postmortem, you may decide, yeah, this is something that needs to remain dead. It wasn't the right time, the right place. Uh, so yeah, but that's hard to do because we, we invest a lot emotionally and, and we have to, um, get past our own emotions. And that's really, really hard for us. Some of us are feelers and some of us are thinkers and thinkers think their ways through, but feelers, um, they don't, they don't, um, they feel it and they're going to hold it a lot before they can start working through some processes. Yeah. Interesting. You use the word postmortem is that this week, today's Tuesday. So on my profile, um, I put a resource out there called the, the um, failure postmortem mm -hmm. mm -hmm. to really, it's it, believe it or not, the workbook was designed to help you as a leader, to assign blame. There's something, we, we play the blame game a lot and we do that in negative ways. You know, we shift the blame off of us. But as the leader, if you're the pastor of the church or you're the leader of a ministry or you're the a lay leader um, or you're yeah, a, not a clergy, but maybe not even working in church in your, own, um, in your own world, in your own business world, you know, when, when something has failed, an initiative has failed, a ministry has failed, something has failed, then you know when you're down or when the when you're looking at the at, at the dust of things it's the time to take out and to literally do as chris said to do a postmortem and that's why i developed that particular workbook is because 
if we don't know why something failed, we can't learn from it. So where is the blame? The blame sometimes, and I had someone who, who pushed back on this and said, well, the blame is always you know, the leadership. The leader is responsible. Don't get me wrong, the top leader, CEO, lead pastor, they are responsible for everything that happens in the organization, but they can't prevent failure all the time. We, we do our best to manage risk, but failure is a part of ministry. It's a part of life. It's going to happen. And yes, ultimately, if you will, okay, maybe you put the wrong person in the job and they weren't able to pull it off. But sometimes failure isn't the CEO or the pastor's fault. It, the blame doesn't lie there. Sometimes it doesn't lie with the ministry leader who was in charge. Sometimes it lies with circumstances or that we didn't we, we, we tried something and we weren't sure it was going to work and we did, made our best guesses and our best projections, but not every product that is released in the world flies on and then off of the shelves as a mega success. And not every ministry that's tried in a church is going to be a success. It's just a reality that things don't always work out the way we hope they will. And by doing an assessment to know where that blame is, because blame needs to be assigned not to not for scapegoating, but so that you understand where the failure was, what the problem was, was it a personnel issue? Did we not have enough personnel? Did we not do enough training? Did you know? Did we not have the right resources? Did we pick the wrong time? Did we pick the wrong target audience? Sometimes circumstances are outside of our control. You know, we released it and, and the, the, the culture wasn't ready for it. Our community wasn't ready for it. Our church wasn't ready for it. Sometimes, again, it, it's, a, it's a personnel failure or whatever. But if you don't know for sure where that blame lies, you can't fix it. And so a postmortem, thank you for using that word. I've just set me up very nicely. I know. I, were, I knew you were doing something with failure, but I wasn't catching earlier when you were talking yeah. about what was a a postmortem, post uh, ministry failure postmortem is, I think, I the name that. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, no, no, no. Go, go, go. That's so, good. so see, I don't fully agree with you about blame, right? How dare you, how dare you disagree with me? I know. The pride. <laughs> I don't, I really don't. I don't, I don't, with the blame, I mean, I don't know. Yes, we blame. I, I will say that. Churches blame. It's a lot. semantics. Yeah. I agree with you. It's semantics. Bob, I'm choosing the most powerful word. And you would say where the assessment is, where's the, the, the cause or the fault or whatever. And I use blame because we use the blame game and I'm trying to, you know, but, but I, I don't disagree with you. It's kind of a loaded word and I use it intentionally. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and we do. But you were saying, well, not necessarily the pastors to blame. And, and where I want to go with that is um, the pastor is responsible for monitoring the processes. If, if he or she does not have other people that are, are watching that, right? I am thinking about smaller churches at the moment. And, you know, they're like, and the minister, often it's a minister who has an idea and 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 ha hasn't thought it through or you know they take it through a board or a council right uh, a session it's like oh yeah let's do that and then everybody on that exec committee just like say okay pastor go for it and and the pastor's again so caught up in it when you're 
when you're in there uh, subjectively, it's hard to have an objective uh, viewpoint on that, right? So and that's a problem. That's a whole other episode in conversation that we we can have. Uh, and yeah, but it, it as people, you know, if you've delegated it or not, not necessarily delegated it, but if if the person who's in charge, the pastor, if that's not you, you still have to be keeping track of it and asking. Meeting, we need to meet with our yeah, local. Uh, it really depends on the size of the church. It really depends on the size of the church because it, because in a large church, that ministry leader who's leading that ministry may be four or five down and four or five deep. Right, and I get that. Lead pastor, I, you can't be supervising right. that. When I say lead pastor, I'm talking about in a smaller church. When I'm now, when I talk, I'm right there with you. When we're talking about churches of 150, when you've got at least one other pastor, let alone multiple, it's a multiple pastor staff, you that whoever's over that that area is ultimately responsible. Right, the supervisor. Even if it's five down. Yeah, right. because at each level, we need to be checking in with our our folk and we want to be looking at the totality. Okay, hey, you all have this coming up. And then who who does? There's not just the post-mortem. I mean, I know we're talking about failure, but for every event and every ministry, we need to be, especially events, we or initiatives, we have to be looking at it along the way to measure whether or not we're we're meeting our milestones, whether or not it's it's fulfilling what we expected it to fulfill. You're kind of looking, you kind of listen to me. It looks like your little wheels are spent spinning and you're not agreeing with me. No, I don't disagree with you. I, I'm I, one of the great things about the assessment, the the postmortem that I created, is that it, it's great as a as a you know after to be used after as a postmortem after ministry failed. But the the design of it is such that if you look at all the things you're checking out, you know, did you get the training? Did they get the training? Did they have a job description? Did they have the mission? Did they understand their There's this huge list of things to say. These are things you need to put in place before you launch a ministry so that you're on board. Is there going to be ongoing coaching? Where's the check-in? What are the, what's the goal or what's the mission? What's the goal? What are the expected outcomes? And, you know, all of these things need to be in place. And I don't disagree with you, Chris. Sometimes we come up with, and you and I have both done this, me more than you probably, but where we've brought an idea and everyone went, yeah, let's do it. And we really hadn't thought through the ramifications. Now, to be fair, taking a risk, a calculated risk, um, it sometimes, you know, it, it, Billy was, was famous for saying, ready, shoot, aim, you know, and, and just get something out there and adjust, make the course directions as you go. And that's, that's a school of thought I'd go with, you know, better to get something out there and get moving. But there are some things that ought to be checked in advance and, you know, if if you're going to, if, if if you're if you're putting some significant resources into it, then you know you you the more careful you probably need to be, the more planning you need to have. And again, of course, the size of the of the ministry, the size of the organization, the scope. You know, it's it's one thing to plan a trunk or treat; it's another thing to to plan your um, an ongoing social food pantry, whatever that's meant to be going on and on. So you're seeing how much money you put into it. And let me just do 
I'm going to resource. But you know, even if it's it's the money, and you're saying, you know, if it's a, a large amount, amount, then that large amount is relative. Because we want smaller churches, right? Poor, big, Absolutely. big, right? Poor, proportionally for what their budget or their their bank account looks Absolutely like. No right? argument. Um, but here's the other thing, and, and maybe you're saying this and I'm not hearing it, or you're thinking it and I'm not hearing it, or you're saying it and I'm not understanding. That's what you said. If I like what you say, I'll agree with you. <laughs> yes. Um, well, that is that I appreciate you got to get something out there sometimes. But if you don't have, if you don't do the initial analysis of is this, how is, not is it, how is this going to further our mission and vision, right? How will yeah. this, how will this further our vision and is it within our values? Because Absolutely. you can't just do something without first sitting with that. And then the question is how, not only is it going to uh, 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 further that, I always get caught on further and farther, not only about furthering it, uh, it's, is it going to have a positive effect on on the community, on the church, or a, a negative, a, a negative one? And another question I'd ask, you know, again, is this my initiative? Is this my stuff I'm pushing? Who's on board with me? Because if you don't have a team, it's just like haven't we talked about recently? Permission giving, permission giving church. I can't remember if we talked about it here or in one of my classes. Right. We, you've got permission giving church and that one one of those pieces has to be who are you responsible to and uh, you know where does the money uh, come from and who's on your team and one or two people alone do not a team make right so you've got or you've got a team and not buying into it just because you're excited about it or it's your initiative right one of the again, going back to the going back to the assessment is is to use that as a checklist for um before you launch a, any ministry because i i'm 100 percent with you 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 don't you don't do anything that isn't mission aligned you, in fact pastor if you're not ruthlessly um aligning everything with mission then your church is going to suffer from mission and vision drift and, and we're um, talking about capital m mission right? right i mean we're not talking about doing mission ministry out in the community right, right. i mean really Let's it's about making disciples, okay? If it's right. not making disciples, then, you know, and that's the mission of the church. If, you know, and if it's not the mission of the church, then you're running a nice club. But, I mean, the founder made the, told us what the mission was. I mean, that's the churches the have vision. I mean, that's one part of it. And right. visions are are there. And visions are, are, are goals in a way. It's what, it's the church. Right. I said in a way, right? right. I mean, we're becoming as a church, right? And so everything we do has to feed back into that. So, right. you know, that's the question. If it doesn't, that's a failure. And, it, it, the, and you the, failed up front and the rest right. of it doesn't right. even matter. It doesn't, you right. know, we can look at failure in all kinds of different ways. And most of us mean we lost, you know, we lost our investment. We ticked people off. We did whatever, you know, it didn't, we, we were expecting 200 people to come because of this and we got 10, uh, right? So, uh, uh, our, yeah, what is it? Cost benefit ratio is like zip. There's all that. But but we set it up for failure if we haven't started it, 
with that very, how does that fulfill our vision? And that question I have rarely, rarely, rarely ever heard asked in a church. Yeah, and that, and that, I mean, we, you and I have both said on repeatedly that the end is in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, the, what what is out there is determined by what you started here. Right. And if you don't have a good foundation here, then the, the then out here is going to be, you know, churches on a regular basis, they, they plan to um, and operate as if they're going to be a small church forever. Um, and, and that's, I mean, it's not just a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you've organized and your end is in the beginning and your beginning is we're a small church and, you know, we, everyone has to know each other and, and, and you've guaranteed you'll never be a larger church. It's just, it's guaranteed. Your end is in the beginning. You, and, and that's true for a ministry that you're starting is you, you have to look, what are the outcomes we're after? And that's, that, that's, you know, as you say, very, very rarely do we hear that. And, and I concur. Mission, vision, values, are we in line there? And then what are the goals, the milestones, and the outcomes? And so often we don't decide what the outcomes are. We, we have the output, you know, but we don't have the outcomes. What do we want to happen as a result of this ministry? Well, we want more disciples. What does that look like in this case? Um, and it, was, it could be very different in one case versus another case. You know, in one, it might be we want to see new first-time visitors showing up on Sunday. In another case, the outcomes might be we want to increase our members participation in sunday school or something it's a different outcome still moving in that direction with the vision the mission the values but if we don't have outcomes we can't tell if it's a failure and so often churches start ministries that they never stop because they don't know that the ministry is failing and has failed for the last 15 years because no one had a, a, knew what the outcomes were and so they weren't able to say, wow, look at this. This is not accomplishing what we need to accomplish. Right. Okay. So I want to just go back for one moment. And, and that's to say there are small churches that are going to be small and that there are reasons for them. That not every church, I mean, you have to be growing whether you're small or not. You've got to be growing. Otherwise, you're not going to have a church. And our biggest concern about small churches is that you're not sustainable. And and your effectiveness, you can be effective but not sustainable. And so, you know, if you're you're a small church and you may be doing incredible ministry and 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 you know, be clear about what your vision is. And and you know, some churches will say we want to be a small church, uh, right? And the problem becomes when you have a pastor who says, I want, I want this to be a small church, I want to pastor a small church. And it's, you know, uh, pastors it into oblivion. So, um, yeah, but uh, so I hope this, is, I know this isn't what you're saying, and we can argue this um, if you want to off camera, that there is, yeah, uh, that there is, yeah, afterwards, excuse me, I'm sorry, um, that, that there are small churches, and we're not saying every church has to be a large church, but your church has to be sustainable, and that means you've got to be growing. Right, and that's one of the realities is, is that uh, the, it was just uh, maybe two or three months ago that Tom Rainer's group came out with a study that showed that, that a church has to grow, has to take in 30% of as that's 32 percent as i recall the actual number 32 percent of his average worship attendance every year to be sustainable 
that to, to maintain. So if you're at 100, you got to take in 30 people a year, 30 new people a year, because you're going to lose about 30 people a year. Um, and now you're not going to lose 30 people every year. Some years you're going to lose more, some years you're going to lose less. But the, 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 the right now our culture says or needs, we need about 30% new people coming in. And this reality is that most churches are failing to do that. Um, and so, you know, what that means is they're failing to grow, they're failing to sustain, and that they're, they're going to drive themselves into oblivion, quite literally, um, and they will eventually have to close unless they turn that around. And to grow, to actually grow, that means you have taken more than 30%. Folks, that's a lot of people in a 100-member church every year. If you're going to grow, that means you're going to take in 40 people you know, to, to grow. You know, that, that wasn't the case when Chris and I were young in ministry. Um, uh, 23% growth rate was considered phenomenal growth. Right. We're losing, we're, we are aging out. Our churches are aging out. People are more transient now than they used to be. There's lots of reasons that, that, that why people leave churches besides that they die or besides that they move on. You know, they, there's just, it's, it's that way. There's a revolving door, and we want to stop that revolving door as much as we can. But the reality is, is that stopping the revolving door will not help allow us to be sustainable. We have to have new people coming in. That's a key to a to a sustainable church. Okay, so I you know I can hear some people out there going, but we're in a small community, you know, nobody knew people. Okay, then start planning for your estate right because if if people aren't moving in people are moving out or and or passing on unless you totally retool to become a um a destination church where you've got something so amazing going on there that people are gonna you know come in and are willing to travel 20 30 40 miles wherever your next metro places or you know uh, town of sizes your end pardon there's typically plenty of people in the county. Well, yeah, I know typically, but I also know that's not, I, you know, okay. Anyways, that, that aside, that, that aside, right. Um, but you touch on something, or at least it makes me think about guilt and how, uh, when a ministry doesn't come out the way it, 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 it could, or when a church, uh, a, a church makes that decision to wind down their ministry, there is a lot of guilt that goes with that. And so doing these postmortems, you were talking about blame. I, I really believe or understand that by doing a postmortem, it's it's to be able to say, okay, folks, this is what happened. Let's put it into a positional, not a, a positional uh, place. What happened, what fell apart here, not a personal place. And I know we're running out of time, but so I want to speak to denominational folk right now, to judicatory ministers and the like. Any church that you close, any church that closes, and let's be real, bunches and lots of them are are closing uh, every year for us. Please do postmortems. Go through, do it for the church folks' sake. Your church may close, but you still have remaining church folk. Do it for their sake. Do it for the pastor's sake, and do it for the sake of of uh, of your you know, again, your judicatory and for the kingdom, look, what didn't work? What, what happened along the way? And what do you need to do for your other congregations? 
you know, if every if every denomination or, or even within the denomination, every region judicatory did a a postmortem that was similar, so that they yeah. had them you know, again. And, and I'm not touting mine. Mine is not made for that. Mine it it, you, it could certainly be adapted for that. But, I could do that. But if we did the same, then over time we end up with understanding what the the big picture of why our churches are closing or right. why ministries are failing. If there's some common threads, and there are. You know, it would it would allow judicatories or the church. You know, if you have a number of ministries that are failing, have a look so you can see what is going on, so that you can make adjustments so that you can succeed. Because as we started this program, it was all about learning from the failure so you can succeed. Right. It's about failing for it. Right. I mean, you, you, if we, we feel guilty, we feel sad, we're embarrassed. And so we keep it in the past and that's what rides with us. And church after church after church is not, uh, are, are trying things because they carry this crap from the past. And how many times we've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way. You know, this is what we trust. But we, uh, even though those are failures, because we're not looking at that, and God forbid, failure is such a horrendous word that it, we have to to work with that and move on. Amen. Yeah, Amen. And, I mean, that, and that's the reality: is is that we have to get past the failure is a negative. Failure is just a reality, and we learn from it so that we can succeed. I mean, yep. that's really where it has to be. Yeah. Right. So are you going to put that postmortem uh, down here so that that they can click on it? Is that how yeah, they? It'll, get be, it'll, be, it'll be in the description when we re. When you get it up there on Facebook, yeah. okay. Real yeah, great. Right we are out of time. Or you can go to my profile. It's it's there this week. Bill Tony Britton, right? Yeah. Bill, yeah. Yep. Facebook on Facebook. Slash Bill TB. Where we are now. Okay. Thanks for being with us, and we will look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.